Welcome to the Mortar and Pestle, a PCCA podcast where we discuss all things compounding and all things concerning independent pharmacy. Now, here are your hosts, Mike Delisio, North American Sales Director, and Sebastian Dennison, Clinical Compounding Pharmacist. Welcome to Compounding World, and welcome to the latest episode of a Mortar and Pestle, a PCCA podcast. This is Mike Delisio, joined remotely with Sebastian Dennison, Seb. Once again, we are finding ourselves recording ourselves under these parameters, but hopefully it's probably one of the last times. I'm looking forward to getting back to the studio, but at the same time, I'm enjoying the uh, bat cave lair that I've developed here at home. I know it's something that probably we've become far too familiar with, and uh, a couple of months has felt like an eternity to most, and in some ways has gone by pretty quick. But we are looking at uh, hopefully returning to the office at some point and just as much as the rest of the world is, and uh, hopefully finding our new normal shortly, which would enable us to record the podcast live in person uh, without the utilization of teleconferencing equipment. But nevertheless, I think we're still hopefully delivering the needs of what our audience is looking for. And we truly hope that we've been a resource over the last few months, whether it's information relating to COVID-19, whether it's information that we've delivered via potential consultants or also individuals that are experts in the field. And uh, as we continuously try to hope to give you the information that you need while everybody's been dealing with this pandemic, I think that's probably a perfect segue to introduce our speaker today. While this is not necessarily COVID-19 related, in prior podcasts, we've had the opportunity to sit down with members of our clinical services team to discuss specific disease states or therapeutic areas of focus and Today, we're going to be doing things a bit different because we are joined with a longtime member of our clinical services team, and that's Mr. Mark Gonzalez from California. So, Mark, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you guys so much for having me. It's, a, it's an honor to be here. It's going to be a great opportunity to uh, shift focus slightly, and I know um, during these times, one of the areas that we've been trying to help individuals and pharmacies has been you know, how to market their business and how to expand and potentially jump into new areas or or build a successful practice from the ground up. It's always been a very important talking point, not only from PCCA, but on a mortar and pestle as well, especially when looking back at other episodes with people like Brian Prescott, with Aaron Michael doing multiple podcasts, talking about customer experience, as well as marketing your practice in general. I think you're going to give a slightly different slant on the conversation, and it's going to be a really interesting thing to hear about your background and past, given the fact that you owned your own store for quite some time, and a successful one for that. So I, I think that's probably the best way to start things off, Mark, is, you know, give us a bit more about your background, what brought you to PCCA, and um, where you found success in your pharmacy for the longest time. Absolutely. Well, again, thank you for having me. And I always love sharing about this because it is something that, you know, opening up your own store or starting your practice or even purchasing a, someone else's practice is a risky move. It's something that's scary. And, it, you know, after you do it, you, of course, want to make sure that that practice grows. So love talking about this. I joined PCCA back in, I believe it was uh, 99. So it was January of 99. I was working at a retail location and really wanted to bring compounding to that location. Spoke with the owner and he said that really he didn't see any 
future in compounding. And I said, well, would you mind if I opened up a compounding only practice here in our town? So uh, that was in January. And literally, it was May 26 uh, of 99 that the store was open. It was a little bit easier to open up a practice back then. We didn't have as many regulations as we do now. But in those uh, five short months, uh, we were able to, to start our practice uh, in Yorba Linda, California, which is located in Southern California, about 50 minutes to an hour outside of Los Angeles. Uh, really started from the beginning with PCCA and researching. I found they were really the only organization that was truly behind compounding and that just served us in so many different ways with education, with chemicals, with support. And I'll never forget my first call was with Bruce Biondo uh, on May 26 when we opened for a veterinary call. So that's how we started. Uh, the first month was difficult. Actually, the first few months were difficult in that we filled, you know, the story I always like to tell is we filled 11 prescriptions in the month of June of 99. And that really motivated me because I was recently married and I had to get out there and start making money so that my wife realized that my decision to open up a store was not a foolish one. So we really did have to get out there and start marketing. And that's where things took off. And I would say within our first year, we were profitable and were able to continue uh, on for another 19 years when I sold my practice uh, 19 years later and then joined PCCA full-time. Well, you say you joined PCCA full-time. Was there something in between that 19 years? <laughs> there was. So back around 2001, I remember being at an international symposium and back then, PCCA was only open up until 4 p.m. Pacific time. So uh, we needed them open a little bit longer because I was closing at 5 and other members in, on the West Coast were closing at 6. So I remember walking up to uh, some of PCCA senior management and I said, you know, I'd really love it if you guys could stay open an extra two hours to service the West Coast because you have been so helpful to me. Uh, that, you know, I, I just, I need the services at the end of the day for those emergency situations. And management said, well, I mean, you've been to all of our seminars. You've gotten really involved in compounding. We feel you have a great understanding of, of the business. Why don't you do it? So I asked a question on a Friday and after some training, uh, PCCA uh, allowed me to join the consulting team as a, as an offsite contract consultant where I worked from four p.m. to 6 p.m. Pacific time, uh, joining the team. And it was really an honor. I loved the team. Uh, joining that team allowed me to see that PCCA was just as great to their staff as they were to their members. Uh, so even though I've been with the team full-time since December of 2017, I've really uh, been with them overall close to, to 19 years. That that kind of tells us so much about how you were developing your practice and how involved you've been with PCCA and and it's it's just it's so fun because I'm sure there's so many members that have actually spoken to you on the West Coast that go like oh yeah Mark he's he he knows what he's talking about um, but that kind of leads us into the next level is what are the things that you're most passionate about with respect to compounding you said your first call was with Bruce with Vet but yeah. your practice was not Vet centric only. Correct. I really wanted to, you know, after those 11 prescriptions, I think that brought in a total of like $396 uh, 
with my rent back then being, I think it was $1,495. Again, that motivated me to get out there. So our, our practice was not really centered on one specific specialty uh, because I wanted to make sure to hit them all. Uh, I really feel if you put all your eggs in one basket, it's it's uh, it can be a problem down the line if there's ever some kind of regulatory issue that stops or prevents you from compounding for a specific specialty. So although I did follow my passions, and I'll talk about that a little bit later, I, I did open it up to any specialty because back in you know, 22 years ago or 21 years ago when we opened up the practice, it was compounding was not as well known. So I really had to go out there and market and, and talk to doctors and, you know, talk to patients and patient groups to, to let them know what we were about. But in the end, I do believe that I started off following my passions. And that's what I want to encourage you. If there's one message that you guys leave with from this podcast is that if you really want to build your business, you should really follow those God-given passions that you have, because all of us are passionate about different things, right? I mean, we all have different interests, different things that drive us. And if we bring that into our business, if there's room for that in our business, you're going to find that if you are doing what you're passionate about, it's going to help your business grow. So kind of share a few things. Do you mind if I share a few things that I was passionate about that helped build our store? That's so, exactly what we're hoping for, my all friend. Right, perfect. So one of them was, yeah, so I really love dermatology and I love veterinary practice. One of the reasons I love dermatology was that, you know, patients would come in and you could literally see exactly what they were dealing with. And I really felt for these patients. And I loved being able to see what we were working with collaborate with physicians, collaborate with the patient, because of course the patient needs to be collaborated with as well, because they're the ones dealing with this, and then work with that team within that triad to come up with a solution that would hopefully treat the problem. And I'll give you an example. We had a patient that came in one day, and she had this condition that I had really never heard about, but I had never worked with. It was called actinic chelitis. She came into my practice and she said, you know, I've been to two dermatologists, I've been to two dentists because it was a condition that was around her lips. And both of them, all four of them said that there was really nothing I could do and that I had to live with this the rest of my life. And I, we had a lot of students that would rotate through our pharmacy. So I asked the student, I said, hey, let's just do a quick PubMed search on treatments for actinic chelitis. And she was able to find a study on imiquimod and uh, imiquimod was used to treat actinic chelitis. And they actually found that it was very successful in this particular study. So I spoke with her. Commercially available imiquimod was very expensive, which really wasn't the issue. The issue was is that the cream base that the imiquimod was in was something that she was allergic to. She was very sensitive to most creams and lip balms. And she said, well, you know, let me show you this lip balm that I'm using. If you can recreate something like this with the drug in it, then that'll work. So we looked at the, the ingredients, the inactive ingredients in her lip balm. We ordered some amiquimod, and we were able to compound this treatment for her. And within 16 weeks, she went from a condition that she was once told was completely untreatable to being completely clear. And she actually took pictures of her results week after week. And I'll never forget about 15 weeks into it, I saw her at a Starbucks on a Saturday on one of my days off. And she said, you know what, this, this orange juice that I'm drinking, this was the first glass of orange juice I've had 
in, in years. And she said, I just want to let you know that last night as well, for the first time, she said, I've been married a year and a half. And for the first time, I was able to kiss my husband. And it was, it was very emotional for me because not only was I able to see the results, but I was also able to feel her, her excitement uh, of the fact that she had been treated for this condition. So that's why I love dermatology. It's something that you can feel, you can see, patients get excited. And really, when you help people's skin conditions, you really boost their self-confidence. And, and that was one of my passions. Uh, we also ended up later on in our practice starting a cosmeceutical uh, specialty as well, where we would make cosmetics and, you know, legally, it's, as long as they were labeled properly, properly, sell them over the counter. And uh, that was actually part of the business that when I sold my pharmacy, we continued with that part of the business as well. And then my other passion was really veterinary. Uh, you know, I loved working with animals. And being in Southern California, we had access to you know, some major facilities like the Los Angeles Zoo, San Diego Zoo, SeaWorld Animal Park. And from the very beginning, we started marketing to those, those practices, uh, not really expecting that they would call us back. And literally about a year and a half after I marketed to SeaWorld, which was the facility that I wanted the most, they called us. And we were able to build a relationship with them. In fact, the last veterinary conference that we had at PCCA was at SeaWorld. And we got to go as a team and actually visit uh, the vet that I used to work with. Uh, so if you are passionate about something, it doesn't have to be the same things that I'm passionate about. All of us have different passions. If you even speak with people within clinical services, you're going to see that out of that team, everyone has a different passion. You're passionate about something. Take that, utilize it, find a way to build it into your practice. And, uh, you know, can I share one more example as well, if you don't mind? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So the, the next thing, I love travel. It's always, I love traveling and seeing different parts of the world and seeing different cultures. And I said, you know, is there a way to incorporate my love for travel with my practice. And we actually started a travel medicine uh, specialty within our practice. Now, here in California, with appropriate training, you can actually, uh, you can actually prescribe, well, they call it furnishing, but it's you know, truly prescribed travel medications to patients without physician oversight. That is if you have gone through and received the appropriate CE. Now, I know that's not the case in every state, but everyone has the ability to meet and consult with patients when it comes to travel medicine. So, you know, I had patients that were coming in, they would give me a list of the places they were going to. Uh, if we were, if we had them, we would give them the appropriate vaccinations. And each and every one of you may have uh, different rules within your state, either allowing you or not allowing you to uh, administer vaccinations, but we were able to do that. We were able to make recommendations to their physicians. So sometimes people were traveling with their, with their children and they needed the, their anti-malarial placed into a suspension because the child didn't want to take those large anti-malarial pills. Uh, maybe they needed medications for traveler's diarrhea. In fact, we would even put together travel medication kits, which would include their medication, sunblock, you know, a uh, bug spray or bug cream, you know, bug repellent, uh, some probiotics. So we were, we were able to build our uh, sale of OTC supplements as well, all because it was something that I was passionate about. So, you know, again, your passions can turn into something that your business 
uh, gets involved with, and it can also build your bottom line as well. And, and really, it just goes on and on, on and on. I mean, I love being relational. So we had a consulting, uh, you know, a consulting service that we provided within our store where I would consult with HRT patients, and you know, the, the list goes on. You can take your passions and you can put them to practice within your own store. And even if it's not your own business, realize that within the business you're working with, you can communicate with your management or with the owner and you can say, hey, here's what I'm passionate about and here's how I think it can build our business. And uh, you can make it happen. Mark, you shared a lot of obviously great success stories and that was tied into your history and kind of what worked for you. Even speaking to newer members on our end where potentially they run up into challenges, is there anything that that you've identified as maybe something that's gone wrong in their original implementation of their plan or maybe the lack thereof that's caused some of the challenges to arise? And uh, understanding that you're part of our clinical services team, more often than not, you are speaking to some newer members of PCCA that that run into struggles and, and where... Where would you provide additional advice and what are some of the things that you've noticed over the years? Uh, you know, I, I think for these people that are getting into compounding right now, uh, many times you go into a business excited and once you start or once you, you start implementing your plan, fear can take over, right? Because we realize if we're going out there and if we're marketing, that involves risk. And one of the risks is failure. We're afraid many times that when we're going to go out there and speak with physicians that we are going to be rejected. And I would say that that's probably one of the major stumbling blocks for most pharmacists and owners and even marketers is just the stumbling stumbling block of fear. And what I want to let you know is that that's okay. It is okay to fail. In fact, that is how I really feel that I learned. It was through those failures that I was able to recognize what worked in my region, because again, what works in one region, what works in Southern California is not the same thing that's going to work in central Nebraska. The markets that you're marketing to are different in both of those regions. The personalities and the people are different. So I always try to encourage people by letting them know when you are out there marketing, you are teaching yourself. And every week you go out there, every time you try something new, you're going to find out what works and what doesn't. And that is what's going to make you a good marketer. I, I had probably five different marketers within my practice. And I love doing it myself, but it did get to the point where I needed to hire someone because it was difficult with the, the volume that we had in our store. And my best marketer was not the person that had the marketing degree because I did hire a couple of those. Not that there's anything wrong with that. My best marketer was the one that wasn't afraid to fail and realize that when she did go out, that it was going to happen. And we had a mutual understanding that that was okay. And once she got out there, once she did find out what did work and started replicating that and doing it over and over again, and as new techniques would come on, she started implementing some of those. That is when she started to become successful. So you are, as a pharmacist, as an owner, as a marketer, you're already a risk taker. I mean, the fact that you've taken that step to step into a market, uh, the market of compounding, you're a risk taker. So you are already brave. I mean, I would already consider most of our members, or if not all of them, brave individuals. So now it's continue 
with that with that risk taking. And you know, although we're in a difficult situation right now as a nation in this COVID situation, uh, uh, I was looking at you know stocks, and stocks right now are going down. So it's a bear market. But when it comes to compounding, it's a bull market. This is a time where your value as a compounding pharmacist, your value as a compounding technician has increased dramatically. People are starting to recognize how amazing what you do really is, You know how, how valuable it is to the community, how valuable it is to patients that are in need. So take advantage of that compounding bull market and go out there and, and market yourself. We, you know, t- it's not that we're trying to take advantage of a bad situation. We're trying to take advantage of a good situation. And, and compounding right now, this, this whole situation with COVID would be so much more dire if it wasn't for people like the listeners right, right now that are out there serving their community. So take advantage of that stock that you're building up in yourself and market and promote your business and promote your skills because people want to know. I, I really think that at the end of this whole situation, compounding is going to just continue to move forward because of the new relationships that have been built. So you know, destroy that stumbling block of fear and realize that risk and, and failure is only going to promote uh, growth in the future because you're going to learn what works and what doesn't work. So, Mark, you're you're talking about it, you know, the the relationship and the relationship building. Um, and you were talking about all of your marketing efforts. And I'm going to I, I kind of want you to dig in a little bit. What were some of the key things that you found were a barriers? But then how did you overcome some of those obstacles? And, and you know, you don't have to give me like a, a two hour deep dive into all of the barriers. But as a pharmacist, like I know you didn't get any marketing in school. So, you know, what were your primary barriers and then what were some of your solutions? Obviously, you're a creative guy. So, so are you saying primary to barriers to, to marketing? Primary barriers to marketing, getting that relationship open. What were some of the things that you developed that you still rely on that, or that you would recommend to anyone who's listening? Just to, how would they start? Like it's always okay. that question. Absolutely. So a big primary barrier was getting to the physician, getting to actual practitioner and speaking with them directly. I would walk into the office. I would have my marketing information with me and I would walk out sometimes defeated when I did not have an opportunity to meet with them directly, which was most of the time. It's very difficult to walk into a a busy practice and meet with the, the, the head person. And the way I was able to overcome that was realizing that there was value in building a relationship with the, the person at the front desk, with the gatekeeper. I mean, really, they are the ones that control who's coming in and who's going out. And when I started building a relationship with that individual, I found that over time, they were more likely, again, over time, it didn't happen right away, they were more likely to allow me to get back and see the doctor. Uh, so that was a, a big one for me. Uh, second barrier was time and patience. You know, again, realizing that my first visit or my first mailer was not going to, uh, you know, initially I thought, wow, this mailer, I'm spending a lot of money and it's perfectly designed. I'm going to send it out and it's going to win everyone over. And really that didn't happen. But when I started repeating that and putting our name out there and, and really exposing people to what we did, it was the consistency of delivery that really allowed that practitioner 
or that patient to to finally take the step to to give us a call or to call and you know to ask us questions. So uh, you know again, I if you're if you're marketing to people, realize that you have to be consistent. Don't let the the lack of results from your first few efforts uh, bring you down. And then I would say really getting my staff on board. Uh, I realized very very early on that I was better or we were better marketing as a team than just me marketing alone. So initially I would go out and I would market and didn't see great results. Uh, but then I also realized that I wasn't letting my staff know what I was marketing. You know, and when I would come back and I started telling them, in fact, what I started doing towards the end was before I would go out to market or before we sent out a mailer, I really had a, a training session with my staff, letting them know, here is what is going out. Here are the doctors I'm going to be visiting. So if they did get those calls coming in, they were able to recognize them and, and, and you know, feel them over to me right away. So I would say that was a third barrier was that I thought I was going to do it on my own when really I realized that I had an amazing staff. I had great people around me. And if we all did it together, uh, we'd be able to tackle, you know, tackle the the calls and tackle the questions better as a team than just one individual. So I don't know if that answers your question, but those are the ones I can think of think of offhand. Those do you answer my question um, because I, I think a lot of people view it in different ways. Um, so for the person who is incredibly conservative and not very gregarious, their barrier might be just even picking up the phone. Whereas you're talking about it in a little bit uh, bigger sense. So that's, that's, thank you. Um, I, I kind of have to ask where we are today in California has been a, a really interesting evolution. Um, and we're now seeing some really good developments coming out of California and this is to the efforts of you and uh, your colleague in California, Rennell. Hopefully we'll get her on a podcast one day as well. Um, any commentary about California right now, what's happening out there and, and why it's why these are positive? Yeah, I, I definitely can speak to that. And uh, it, it has been a real pleasure working with Rennell and, and just uh, taking on all the great members that we have in this state and on the West Coast. Uh, being a California compounding pharmacist for 20-some years now, I can tell you that the landscape has changed. Uh, we were the first state to implement a sterile uh, license. And then after that, in 2017, in January of 2017, we were uh, the first state to implement USP 800-like uh, regu regulations. And I know it, things were a little rocky in the beginning, but I have found that uh, in a recent meeting that I went to actually last year uh, related to compounding, it was, it was really nice to see the board hearing and taking on some of the, the questions and concerns that California compounding pharmacists had when it came to regulations and giving us the opportunity to put in our input. And we were able to see when those pharmacists did attend those meetings and when they did make the recommendations that certain laws changed or certain laws were, were edited to better, uh, you know, uh, better meet the needs 
of the patient population out there. So if I had to say one thing that one good thing that has come out of it is continue to build relationships with your inspectors. I know having been inspected every year as a sterile compounding pharmacy, it's it's nerve wracking. There are times where it can be very stressful, but see that opportunity as one where you can be educated by them but you can also take that opportunity to educate them as to what you do. It doesn't have to be a negative situation. It can definitely be turned into a positive. And we found that some of the inspectors that we've worked with over the years, we, we really built a great relationship with them. And I do believe that uh, we had one inspector that was with us for five years, you know, every year for five years. And our last inspection with him before he retired, I, I noticed a dramatic change in his understanding of what we, what we do as pharmacists that really uh, drove him to, to inspect things differently. So uh, California has been on the forefront of many new laws and many new movements in the, in the field of pharmacy and in compounding. And uh, if, for the, you pharmacists that are out there, no matter what state you're from, Work with your inspectors, work with your board, attend the meetings. Uh, it's not always going to be easy in the beginning, but I, I, I don't regret it. I really feel that by doing that, you're going to build a good relationship with them. And in the end, the more they understand you, the better, uh, the more they're going to think about you when they are writing and implementing some of these laws. Mark, I'll, I'll kind of jump in here and, and understanding that you sat on both sides of the fence uh, having owned a pharmacy, being a member of PCCA, and and now being on the other side, offering clinical services assistance and and discussing matters of of where people have succeeded, where they've find challenges, and helping them out on on a daily basis. What are some of the the best resources that you continuously recommend that someone would depend on? While, while building their business and, and focusing on creating a marketing plan, creating on focusing on their passions and, and following trends in their marketplace. You mentioned that whether you're in middle Nebraska or potentially Southern California, your market's different. So it's, it's impossible to offer the same type of advice to anybody in the country or in the world for that matter. But what are some of the, the top things that you would recommend someone do, especially being a PCCA member, and some of the resources that are available to, to those behind the scenes within our documents pages, within our resources section that tend to be slightly overwhelming to somebody who doesn't really have a, a good understanding of how to walk through everything. And we try to do our best to give more insight and to walk individuals through what's available. But from your perspective, what do you think are some top three things that everyone should be looking at? All right. When you were when you were asking the question, I was able to think about four. So I'm going to go go one above that because there's four definitely that really come to mind. Yeah, awesome. absolutely. Awesome. So give as many as you like. Great. Well, I mean, of course, uh, and I'm not just saying this because I'm a part of this team, but I really can tell you that as a member, the clinical services team was such a, uh, an important help to me. Uh, I really admired the people on the team, and I admire the people that I work with. Every day. I mean, even Sebastian, who's on this call, I mean, he's someone that is just so energetic and so knowledgeable. And everyone, again, has their different passions. So making sure that you as a member get to, to connect with each person on the team and that you're not afraid. There's, there's many times where people place calls and they're like, 
hey, I'm sorry I'm calling you. I'm like, you know, don't be sorry. This is why you pay for clinical services. This is why you're a part of this organization because we want you to utilize these services. And initially, I was calling PCCA on a very frequent basis. And it was because of the consultants, because of the clinical services team that I was working with, it's, it, it was their knowledge that was helping me grow my business. So number one, do not be afraid to call. Do not be afraid to utilize that service because that is why we exist. I mean, we are on the phone all day to, to serve you in that way, whether it's marketing, whether it's clinical help, whatever it may be, there's usually going to be someone on the team that can meet the needs that you have. And if, if someone calls me and if there's a question that I may not be strong in, it is not abnormal for us to forward calls to each other. So that's the first part. Second, in my opinion, most underutilized service that PCCA has is PCCA Play. I, if I still own the pharmacy today, I would absolutely subscribe to PCCA Play because it is an, it gives you the opportunity to hear seminars and hear workshops from the past and educate yourself. Back in the day when I started, we had to like call in and order a set of like 16 CDs from the seminars and we had to put them in our car and, and now you could just listen to them on your phone. You can download or you could subscribe to PCCA Play and you can actually search for specific topics that you want to learn about. And not only you, but also your staff. I mentioned earlier, involving your staff in the marketing, educating your staff, even if it's not a pharmacist or a technician, let your staff listen to some of those PCCA Play videos because they're going to learn something and they're going to get excited about what you're doing. So I think that's probably the most underutilized service that we that we offer and I always recommend that to people try it out you know download some of these videos and I think you're going to find that you're going to learn and, and you can do so from from your office uh, from your office desk or from home uh, third would be our public affairs section on our website we get a lot of questions about uh, the current compounding market and FDA regulations and FDA guidance. If you scroll down to the bottom of the, the homepage on PCCA and you click on public affairs, that's going to direct you to a site that is just full of information that can help guide you and guide the decisions that you make as a practitioner so that you can practice within, uh, you know, you want to be legal in what you do. So it allows you to read what some of those laws are. It's updated all the time, and there's great information there. And then a fourth service that I love letting people know about is our allergens database. We are in a world right now where there are patients with a lot of dietary sensitivities, a lot of sensitivities to allergens. And many people don't know. If you scroll down to the bottom of, again, the, the little black section on the bottom of the PCCA homepage, you're going to see a little link there that says allergens database. That can take you to a database where you could enter in certain lot numbers of our chemicals that have been tested for allergens. And you can see what they, you know, if, if, if you have a patient that comes in and they have an allergy to corn, you can see if there's any corn present in this product. And that's something that builds trust between you and your practitioner, you and your patient. If you're dealing with a patient that has a, a dietary sensitivity, like my wife is gluten intolerant, if you can prove to them and you can show them that the PCCA, the high-quality PCCA chemical that you have purchased 
comes with that declaration and you can show it to them, it's going to give them a level of peace and comfort that's going to make them want to use you and use the PCCA chemicals that you're buying on a regular basis. You know, people do like to shop around for pharmacies, but when they have built trust with a facility, with a pharmacy, and they know that you're using high quality chemicals that can, that are proven to not have the allergens that they're sensitive to, they're going to stick with you. They're going to stick with you no matter what. And uh, so those, those are four that really stuck out to me, Mike. That was awesome because I know I didn't want to cap you at three. Um, and, and some of those pieces of information and resources are, are so highly sought after. And especially when it comes to PCCA play, recognizing that I've always called it a Netflix style experience of compounding education that resides on one area of the website that people can, if, if they do have the time, and I think especially right now, if you do have somebody who is responsible for marketing, you do want to help educate your staff. You know, the ability to go to a live event uh, is obviously not something that's realistic at this point in 2020. Uh, this is an opportunity to help educate, to help teach, uh, for everyone to learn, not just yourself as being potentially the member or it's really the opportunity to get everybody on board and learn a specific disease state and then be prepared for that future relationship building and marketing. Um, as, as you mentioned earlier, Mark, you know, that, that ultimate importance in the field and within the community and how to leverage that in a bull market. I love the way that you described it and compared it to a stock market term, which is the honest truth. Um, it's, it's opportunistic and there's a way to leverage what pharmacies have been able to do in a future situation where they can jump back into marketing, be the expert uh, in the field, and then hopefully try to, to build up a, a patient population as a community leader. So I, I do appreciate you bringing that up. I know for those that are about to join PCCA and have entertained the idea, and, and some of our listeners fall within that niche segment of people that have been, you know, tapped into us and they, they have that curiosity about what membership could potentially bring to their business. And we offer PCCA Play as part of that original membership package, which is a, a great add-on and, and gives them a year to hopefully perfect their skills and to improve their knowledge so that when they do market, they do sound like they are the expert within the field. So I appreciate you bringing a lot of that stuff up. It's, it's a great recap. And also from your perspective in terms of what works well and what somebody should be looking at, especially now when, when time is of the essence. Great. Well, I'm glad that, uh, that that information was helpful. I really, you know, want to, it, going back to PCC, PCCA play for those new members, uh, earlier we were talking about roadblocks You know, I know finances can be a roadblock. If it's hard for you to get out and actually go to a live event, like Mike was saying, you know, please go online. You can do it right there and it'll cost you less and uh, it will still allow you to learn and gain the knowledge you need to help build your business. I was just trying to think if there's anything else that we wanted to cover or anything else that you wanted to talk about, Mark. No, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, just to kind of recap, again, just follow your passions. You have them. Uh, I'll never forget. There was someone who, uh, you know, I'd, I'd had my store for about eight years, and there was someone who came and actually copied all the signage on the front of my store, copied my marketing material, and opened up a mile down the road 
And I'll never forget how frustrated I was at that situation. And then I'll never forget calling my dad. And my dad said, you know, they were able to steal your marketing. They were able to steal your, uh, you know, your signage and copy it, but they have different passions than you and they're not going to be able to build their business off of your passions. So when you're listening to someone, uh, don't, you know, you can get excited about it, but don't try to build your business based on someone else's passions. You have your own. There's a reason you have them. So, you know, tap into that so it could feed into your business. It'll help build trust within your community. It'll help build purpose within your staff. When they see you're passionate about something, your staff will become passionate about it. And, and it allows you to enjoy what you do. I mean, we got into compounding. We started doing this. Most of us did because it was something that we loved and it's exciting and it's different than regular retail pharmacy. So make sure you're passionate about what you, you do and your business will grow. And, and uh, that's, I think that's all I have to say for today. Your dad sounds incredibly wise. I, I, I cannot believe he cut through all that noise and came up with something so perfect. He did, and it brought me peace instantly because I realized the truth in it. Thank you so much for joining us today, Mark. Uh, I, I, it, I'm fortunate because, A, I've probably talked to you in the past as a, as a member, and then I came onto the team, and you were always out there, always willing to help and be part. And I was so excited when you came on full-time because I knew you were just going to be such, a, such an amazing asset to our team and it's just it's it's a pleasure to work with you and it's it's just awesome to know you personally as well so thank you for joining us today well thank you for having me i appreciate you both and all that that you do for for compounding as well thanks so much mark i know the uh when we kicked things off we talked about the fact that it's a another member of our clinical services team and obviously we have so many of them and the amount of compounding pharmacies that we have on staff and you guys bring something so unique to the field and obviously your experience and your focus on building relationships and building a presence in a marketplace is is definitely appreciated and I'm sure our, our listeners definitely appreciate it as well so thanks so much for joining in um, I hope to have you back it's, this is always a topic that we probably like to expand on and there could be an opportunity for us to, to dive a bit deeper into some of the other things that also merge with some of the conversations that we've had with Aaron or other experts within the marketing domain. So hopefully there'll be another opportunity for you to come back on the podcast. Sounds good. Anytime. I appreciate you and appreciate all of our listeners out there. And thank you for once again, for being frontline healthcare professionals in, in this crisis. And as we deal with COVID-19, we do appreciate the fact that you've been tuning into mortar and pestle over the last few months and for some of our listeners since the beginning, we thank you again for always following and never forgetting to listen to an episode. As always, a reminder to please uh, follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook so you don't miss any social media content. Once again, this is Mike Delicio. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.